Hello, 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 Big D with another master's preview on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in the nice special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all my content already uploaded one master's preview video. And uh, don't forget to check out the Big D podcast on Spotify and Apple. So joining me from north of the border is my friend, uh, Jeff Ulrich. Jeff, uh, can you believe it's master's week? No, man. I mean, it, you know, it's, I mean, yes and no, like it, it has been like a longer three months and you know, I, I think we're all like excited to get here, but it does seem a little surreal whenever it finally rolls around just because we've had, you know, like the entire football season go by and, and like winter and then finally back at the first major. So yeah, it's like prime golf season and I don't know, man, it, it takes so long to get here, but once it's here, it's like, yeah, can't believe it's uh, that time again. Yeah, and uh, what better course to have the golf's first major in Augusta? I mean, it, it just it just fits for, with it just makes it just back in full crowds now. It seems like we're back out of all that funk we were for a couple of years, where it, Lord knows what event was taking place. Yeah, I mean, the one thing on the golf schedule I don't think will ever change is that Augusta will be the first major. I, I'd be <laughs> shocked if that ever changed, at least in my lifetime. So. Yeah, maybe maybe Augusta will burn down one day or something. Who knows? But um, you know, until it does, it'll probably be first on the major schedule. Yeah, no, yeah, no more masters in November, please. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So uh, heading into Augusta, uh, there's no hotter golfer right now than Scotty Scheffler. Let's see, he won in Arizona, he won in Bay Hill, he won the match play, number one golfer in the world, and number one golfer in DK. But yet, but yet. And his major history is not bad for a really young guy. What do you see in Scheffler this week? It is not bad. Uh, you know, people forget he was right there at the, I mean, he's in the final group at the PGA championship in 2020, uh, 2020. I don't even know what year we're at, but um, you know, we uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a big time player, man. I mean, you know, it took him a couple of years to finally grab that first win. It took him longer than Morikawa. It took him, longer than Wolf, but like, you know, he, he, he was never not really worthy of being included with those guys. And now he's just shown how silly it was to, you know, to people who maybe weren't including him in that group. So yeah, he, he's coming in. He's obviously the hotter golf, hottest golfer in the world right now. And, you know, for DFS purposes, you know, for, for bet, let, let's start betting purposes, Scotty Scheffler, I mean, you know, most books, he's, he's going to be right up there at the favorites, um, you know, maybe like a, a plus 1200 number or something like that. Um, you know, just, I'm just grabbing the odds. I mean, you may actually, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Like, yeah, I, I can see right now, like he's, he's certainly available at like plus 1600 at multiple books. So I can't even say that he's not worth betting. I mean, I think you, you have a decision on Scotty Scheffler. Do you just, you know, are, are you, are you buying into this? I mean, we have seen guys go on absolutely <laughs> insane four-month runs before the majors like a Jordan Spieth in 2015 and uh, cap it off with the Masters win. Uh, are you on that train with Scotty Scheffler or are you not? I mean, I, I four months ago, thinking about Scotty Scheffler plus 1,600 at the Masters seemed like something I would never do, but uh, it's at least in the realm of possibility now. I think he's more interesting in DFS this week where the fact he's the most expensive player is going to keep a lot of people off him. So for me, I'm looking, I'll probably be thinking about it more from DFS because yeah, uh, there's just a, a few players who are going to have bigger numbers available out there that I like better than him for betting. I feel like Scheffler's 
interesting because to me, I don't think I, I don't think I'd bet him. I don't think I'd bet Rom or Scheffler or any any of the top guys. I mean, Cam Smith is interesting, but to me, of top guys, I'd probably lean more in that JT DJ range. Maybe, yeah, there's that, you know, because because. Because when I think of Cam Smith, I think of him better at a shorter venue than Augusta, and the fact that Augusta's lengthened, lengthened fits more of a bigger hitter, and I feel like Scheffler's more of a ball striker, and a, and we'll see. I mean, the fact that he's going into Augusta as the guy, not one of the guys, will make things more interesting, because can you handle being the number one golfer in the world right now? And that, that and that's a good, that's a fair point. Like a lot number one players in the world haven't had a good track history at Augusta. Um, I think it was Dust Dustin's like been the only guy, and that was the November one. Like I don't I don't even know. Like when you're talking about trends going into April, I don't even know if we can count that. Obviously, I mean his Masters win counts. I'm just saying, like for the trend of the number one player in the world not doing well at the Masters, you know, in, in April typically it's been a, a spot where those guys have failed. So. Some trends going against Scheffler there, but you're right. Like Cam Smith's Scheffler, they're they're the two recency like short term <clears> guys. <throat> but uh, you know, like long term, you know, I, I think most people would say like, you know, if you're getting Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson at the same number as Smith and Scheffler, you should just bet JT and and DJ, right? And I think that's that's probably how I would view that those four guys as well. I'm not really interested in Rom this week, at least for betting. Um, maybe not even for DFS, but you know, if if I'm looking at those four golfers top of the board i'm probably gonna take a shot with with jt or, or dustin um maybe slightly in for me to jt right now but uh I, I think there's a good chance i'll just have none of those five guys uh, as bets uh the guy with the most at stake this weekend seemingly for like the last 15 years at augusta roy mcelroy uh, you would think this augusta would be a course fit for roy mcelroy because you had 14 drivers and roy mcelroy's of one usually a good driver, but what's wrong with him here? Because everyone has asked for seemingly in the last seven, eight years, can Roy finally win the grand slam? I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with Roy at Augusta. I mean, you look at his Augusta record. I mean, uh, you know, it's just littered with like top fives, top tens. It's just, I, I think Roy has been bitten by a couple things. I think psychologically, um, you know, maybe he's just, he's, he's shot himself out of it, like with some, some silly stuff. And, and obviously the, the, the meltdown from whatever year that was two thousand I can't even remember what 2011, year I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. 2011. I think you're right. The year he hit it into the clubhouse anyways, we'll just put it that. So, um, I, I think a couple of things have worked against Rory for that, but I mean, setup wise, like he can, like you said, you can pound the par fives. Um, he hits driver here a ton. Like he's, he's, I, I think he's just been snake bit too. Like he played well the year Spieth just dominated. What can you really do about that? There's been some other circumstances with them. Um, you know, DJ kind of just blew the doors off in 2020. That one, uh, obviously the November one. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm perfectly, I, I'm, I'm big into Rory this week. I think you look at Rory since the Ryder cup, he's been really good. Um, you know, he, he grabbed that win at the CJ cup. He could have easily had another one over in Europe. And um, I'm kind of glad he missed the cut last week because that, that's why we're getting bigger numbers on him. I've already hit up a plus 2,000. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Rory, if you can get like a plus 2,200 or something on Rory by the end of the week. I, 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 that's very appealing to me. 
Um, you know, the, you know, people will throw out a ton of trends at you this week. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to throw some trends out after this, but, um, you know, one thing to keep in mind, like all trends, like kind of get broken at some point and how Cabrera one here coming off a missed cut, um, you know, Bubba Watson won here in 2014 coming off a withdrawal due to allergies at the Houston open. I don't, I, you know, if that happened, if that happened this week, no one would have played him, but like he was in fine form, you know, Ty, when Tiger won in 2019, he, his, his last competitive thing he did was lose to Lucas Beauregard in match play. So um, I, think I, know, rem- I think I remember that week. Yeah. That was the uh, match play that Kevin Kistner won over Matt Kuchar. Yeah. So, I mean, like you, big deal. One missed cut. Rory's had a really nice start to the year. I think D degree numbers are right up there. I don't, I don't love like seeing him bash it around and look, look not good at the Valero, but that's that for his betting. Like if he had made the cut this week and finished 15th or 10th or something, you're getting him at like plus 1400. Now he's plus 2000. Like I said, you're probably going to get him at like plus 2200 by the end of the week. I think anyways, um, or there's a chance that this is good. You need to take advantage. So I, I, I really implore people don't be swayed by like one start. And, you know, um, you know t- take the value that's out there. And I think the best value right now for the Masters is, is Rory this week. I really do. At least from the top guys. At least from the top guys. Yeah. And you know what? Hideki Matsuyama almost followed Roy. Roy's following Hideki Matsuyama's train because I think it was last year Hideki missed the cut and it was like T30. And I think it was the flare of the week before Augusta last year. Well, Roy's going down the same. Same train, so maybe it's maybe, maybe we all need to be like T30 and miss a cut and then win the green jacket. Yeah, I mean, like it's, I mean, Hideki didn't do much coming in last year, like you said, his, his last two starts were a T30 and a miss cut. It's pretty much exactly what Rory's done. So I don't know. I mean, like, it, I'm, I'm just saying, it, obviously, you know, who knows? <laughs> Jordan Speed could come in and win. He had a really good week, or, or someone else who's just been Scheffler could grab his fourth win, but. I'm just, I'm not going to write Rory off because of, of one, like two bad rounds at the Valero Texas open, you know, like the most random event. It's kind of a quirky Greg Norman design. It's Texas. The wind gets up a little bit. I, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Um, he missed the cut. Like I said, you, you take the good with the bad. The, the bad is he looked weird for two rounds and he was just, you know, bashing it around. The good is you're getting him at a way better number. And I, I think that, you know, the long-term form on Rory, I like, his putting stroke sure looked confident at certain points in the year. If he finds that again this week, um, I, I think he's going to have a good chance to compete and win. So, as you know, Augusta's undergone some changes. The two big ones, 11, 11 was lengthened by 15 yards, and the 15th by has been lengthened by 20 yards. you think they'll have any change? Because, obviously, everybody's talking about how the 11 holes become wider and the Third and the penalty area, the third shot is now far harder. You can't, there's no, there's not going to be a Larry Myers replay on the 11 chip in on the 11th hole this year, right? Yeah, no, the uh, the 11th can play tough, man. Um, that's that's not potentially that, setting yeah, really, yeah, 11th is already tough, and now it's going to, it's already, it's already maybe the hardest hole in that course. Uh, it's it's going to be, um, that's going to be like, if you get out with par, you're basically gaining on the field. I think, I think bogey might even be a good score there some days, who knows, but you know, I, I think that um, I haven't looked at like the long range forecast or anything, but if, if, if it's just, if we don't get too much rain 
Um, I, I really think with them lengthening it a little bit, it's just going to play more to the, I actually think it plays more to the bigger hitters. People don't realize like, you know, the ball maybe runs more and, and the shorter hitters get more roll, but the greens are harder mm. to hit. And the, the bigger hitters still have an advantage because that's where they get to me when the, when the course is firm and hard, the, the higher ball flights, they hold the greens better. The, the, when you're closer to the green, obviously, like, um, when it's going to play a little bit more us open style, be a little bit longer. I think the T to green guys, the, the really Supreme T to green players are going to benefit more. So, you know, the, the emphasize that stat even more this year, uh, assuming it's going to play, um, a little bit longer and, and, and faster and, and tough. And, um, yeah, that, that's how I'm looking at it anyways, uh, to start the week. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think, it'll, I don't think the, 15th will matter much because if you're playing in the win in 15, guess what? You're not getting there, whether it's 520, 530, or 550. But the fact the 11th hole has changed will make that I, – I will not be surprised if the 11th hole plays maybe maybe close to the, like, 4.8, 4.9, or even a shot of a pole. Yeah, it, it could, it could get up there. Absolutely. Like I, I definitely wouldn't be shocked if it's, it's over like 4.5. I mean, we have like Ian Woosnam in the field too, actually, oh, gosh. but I mean, you know, those guys are going to skew the stats as well, but um, yeah, the 15th will be interesting too. I mean, um, and again, I think, I think that's another place where, you know, that, that's, that was like an auto. If you hit, like, if you basically if you hit your drive in the fairway, it didn't really matter who you were. You, you'd have a chance to go for the green. And you're right. Yeah, like maybe just the big hitters now have a chance to go for the green there. So um, that one I think is going to be way more interesting. I mean, we know the 11th is going to play tough. It's going to be a little bit tougher. But the 15th, I'm inter- really interested to see how that one plays um, and, and see the effects on that hole. So uh, we've mentioned a couple of favorites. Who are some longer odds? Maybe not in the 20s, but maybe outside the 20s. You're looking on, uh, on uh, securing this week. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I always, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that like Daniel Berger, I don't want to say he's like, you know, like the next Scotty Scheffler, but like he, he kind of get is getting disregarded kind of like Scheffler was like the fact he's 40 to one. And like, we, we have Xander down there in, in the twenties and um, you know, it, like Zalatoris is the same price as him. I feel like Berger just doesn't quite get enough respect. And, and at 40 to one, I mean, it's a player who finished T10 at, at Augusta on his debut. Um, he's, he's been in the mix at a couple tournaments already this year, obviously he blew the, the Honda classic, but you know, like he's shown just, and it, he's just got an insanely consistent approach game. That's going to work really well on a tougher course. Um, you know, he, he hits a lot of fairways. He's, he's kind of dialed back his distance, but he hits a lot of fairways and you know, if, if his short game is running, it, he, he can be fine. So I, I'm looking at Daniel Berger as a guy who, if, if he, if he can get the read of these greens and, and start making those like five to 10 footers early in the week, I, I really think he can, he can compete here. And, and at, at 40 to one, it, it's really more of just like a value proposition. I look at this range and yeah, you know, I, I think he's the, the, the kind of cream of the crop, like the guy who's kind of set best up for success not only from his recent form, but just his long-term as well. I mean, there's, there's my guy Usti there who I'll probably be betting just because, but 
you um, always, I was gonna I was gonna mention how I was gonna mention how much you're gonna lose on Louis when he finishes when he inevitably finishes T four this well, maybe weekend. I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll bet him like plus twenty this top twenty this week too. But you know, Louis has been been hitting it well off the tee, um, which is the only good thing about his game right now. But you know, we, we know he's an elite putter. So I I will say this about his <laughs> team. I like the fact if the course is gonna play tougher. I actually think that really benefits him at the year. I think he was kind of struggling here the last couple of years because it was turning into a little bit more of a shootout. And I don't like Usti when tournaments, when you got to get to like minus 19 or something, you got to beat these young players, but winning score here gets down a little bit and we get a bit of a longer course that, that's playing tougher. Usti, it, it, I, I like that for him. So I, I wouldn't write him off at this number either. Um <laughs> I do think Adam Scott's probably a better bet this week after saying all that. He's just shown better recent form, right? If we're, if we're factoring in some recent form and stuff like that. And, you know, Scott seems to be go, like having the, the positive regression with the putter that like Louie had last year. So maybe this is Scott's year to finish like top five in all the majors. It kind of feels like it might be. So Adam Scott at plus 5,500. Um, I think is, is also like a very good bet. Like I, I, I look at him and Berger in that range as like the, the sort of, the guys, I mean, that, that I think I'm, I'm most interested in, like I said, I'll, I'll probably dabble in my Louis play, but you know, the, the guys like Connor Burns, Connors, I'm not betting here. They just, the, I just think the greens will finally get him eventually, you know, he'll maybe throw in a four pot or something. Um, Burns. I, I, I think Burns is very capable of winning a major at some point. He's, he's another player who maybe just, you could make the argument, like he's the guy you should be betting instead of Berger at plus 4,000, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe just not quite the time yet for Burns. Burger at least has the experience factor on him. So I'll go with Scott and Burger as my guys in this range. Yeah, maybe if we were playing the Valsfall this weekend, I'd take Sam Burns. But the, this isn't. But the Masters and Valsfall are two totally different events, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I actually think I actually think Corey Connors makes some sense this weekend in the fifties because we know his. History is contending at Augusta, contending in majors. And yes, you're worried about his streaky putt in this, but there have been plenty of bad putters do well here. I mean, Adam Scott is Adam Scott is not known as the greatest putter. Hideki's not known as the greatest putter. Sergio Garcia. Hideki. Dustin Johnson is a streaky putter. Streaky putter. Maybe this Absolutely. Is- now, the, the thing I'd say about all those guys, when they won at Augusta, finally, they were seasoned, right? Like they, they had, the, they, they'd come here, they'd kind of, they've been around the greens a little bit. And, and Connors has two top tens at Augusta. Who am I to say he doesn't have some experience, but uh, I don't know. Um, I also <clears> feel <throat> like with a guy like Connors having top 10 here two, two times in a row now, does he just put too much pressure on himself? Like, uh, to, to, to try and, and be up it in a year where he's kind of have a, been a little bit up and down already. I don't know. I, I, I love Corey Connors. I think you're right. Like long-term, this is a player who could, who could potentially break through at a major. Like he's got that good enough T to green game, but I just, I, I, I think his number's not big enough. If I'm being dead honest um, for, for this event, for this particular event, this field and this course. So. And uh Another guy, I, I mentioned a guy north of the border, and I mentioned a guy south of the border. How about Joaquin Neiman? 
there's n there is no course that is like Augusta, but if there were one course that plays similar to Augusta, it's probably Riviera. Yeah. Who won Riviera? Yeah, I mean, no, look, I mean, look, we got Bubba, Scott, Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson, all Masters winners, guys who, who have ate up that course. Um, I mean, I, I'm more interested in Neiman than I am in, in Connors, which, you know, some people might may say, well, like Connors is the guy who's top 10, but I think Neiman has better long-term upside. And, and I think that his upside at an event like, like the Masters is better as well. I just think he's got a more refined all-around game. And he showed that at uh, when he won at the Genesis, like he gained like a million strokes around the green that, that week too. So um, yeah, I, you know, Neiman is a player. I, I have, you know, that's a player I'm going to keep an eye on as the week goes off. I don't think I'm going to necessarily bet him off the top, but if his number would drift say to like 66 to one, I mean, again, like you brought it up, he, he's already got a win on the year. He's T22 at the players. This dude's kind of like lit it up to start the year. You know, he's, he's, he's you know, he's going to hit it in the fairway a ton. Um, if that putter shows up like it did at the Genesis and <clears throat> yeah, I could see it. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, you can make the argument. Maybe it's like too soon for him, but I don't know. Like Neiman is, ne ne Neiman is definitely again, much like um, Scheffler. I mean, perhaps just, you know, a guy in waiting. I mean, we've seen multiple winners in Smith, and Scheffler already this year, maybe this is the third multiple winner we get. And Neiman just takes his step up to superstardom. So yeah, um, that's a name I'm going to be, I'm very interested in. Um, I wish that, you know, if you could find him at 66 already, I think that's a good number. And I think he's a player who could potentially get up to like, you know, bigger numbers as the week goes on, because I haven't heard any talk about him until right now. And, and quite, for, I'm, I'll be honest, like I've, th I've thought about him a bit, but as we're Talking, I mean, I, I think he makes more sense than guys like Connors in, in that in that range. So, yeah, I'm just wondering, would you rather have Joaquin Neiman or Billy Horschel? I that mean, I never bet Billy Horschel, <laughs> so there's there's no way. I think I think I'd take Neiman, especially. I, with yeah, I've seen some people throw Billy Horschel's name this week. I don't. I just can't do it. I mean, if I ninety to one, if or you're getting like a hundred to one, and I'm, I understand, like it's it's probably not a bad. I'm just not. I'm not. I don't bet Billy Horschel, probably because I don't like to look at him, watch him yell at the green like a maniac. I mean, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yell at the fans. You'll get someone kicked out of Augusta if he's in contention. Oh, we don't need that. We really need Billy Horschel to win the Masters. I don't know. No, I mean, like, no, I, I, I mean, I again, I get it. He's played well. Definitely, but I'm, feel, I'm a not, Billy I'm Richard Bryson DeChambeau final pairing would be some would be a slide right, I mean, Jeff size. Bryson's Bryson's in the final pairing. I mean, this is gonna be a wild masters, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and he'll be hitting the ball, he'll be hitting the ball so corksy the CPS crews won't know what to do. <laughs> okay, so uh from a DK perspective, now we've talked we talked a little bit about a, like a simulators, and obviously for golf, to me the best one to use is Fantasy National. Could you explain how how you use Fantasy National to make your DF DK lineups this weekend? Yeah, so I mean, you know, it all depends on what, what you're entering and, and what kind of contests you're looking at and, and stuff like that. But you know, when, when I'm, when I'm trying to create a model or something like that, I mean, I'm always looking at short versus long-term form. So uh, long-term form, 
tend to stretch out a little bit longer than 50 rounds and, and just try and, and, and find any, you know, perhaps, you know, glaring sort of like, um, guys who are just been underperforming in the short term, but you know, long-term that I, I should be keeping an eye on or just, you know, re- remembering like how far they've gotten from their baseline. And then short-term just seeing if, if guys have, have popped in any different areas or if they're improving or, um, you know, sh- showing some kind of uh, signs of, you know, p- perhaps positive regression or, or something like that. So kind of just a mix on, on, of short-term and long-term um, looking at stats and trends and things like that. And then um, obviously ownership is, is a really big deal um, this week. Uh, I mentioned Scheffler off the top as being like a, a guy who, um, you know, for ownership purposes, <coughs> potentially going to go overlooked just because I, I think that, um, you know, the, the fact he's the most expensive player on, on DraftKings, it's just, it's going to just throw a lot of people off and be like, I, I can't start with 11 K Scotty Scheffler. That's, that's terrible. And I mean, Okay, like you know, if if he's going to be like ten percent owned versus say Justin Thomas at twenty percent owned, well, that's that's a pretty big something to think about. So, um, yeah, ownership projections is is a big deal. Definitely, you know, Fantasy National offers a couple different ways to to look at ownership projections, and uh, I certainly use them when I'm uh, making lineups. To me, I actually think the mass. We all know major pricings generally soften the fact that nobody's more expensive than McCain would invite me in the use in Sheffield thinking he's the number one golfer right now. He's played well in majors. I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable using him because you can use a Scotty Scheffler at 11 K and Oh, the, uh, look, look at the guys in the uh, mid seven K there's a Webb Simpson, Justin Rose, a Bubba Watson, a Mark Leachman, a Seymour Kim. They're all, they're all a host of guys to use in the low, high six, low seven K range. Scotty Sheffield is fine this week if you want to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, like if, if Scotty Scheffler and John Rom like switched spots, I think you'd see the ownership. And I know, like I know there's only $200 between them, but I think if they switched spots, I think you'd see this, the ownership <clears> on <throat> Scheffler go up by quite a bit just because of this. It's just like sticker shock, seeing him at 11 K and as the mo- the top player in the field. It's almost like I think I think you just look at it. And I did this the first time. I looked at Sheffield and I'm like, well, I like I I can't even like look at that. And then you basically just start looking at the guys under him because it's so weird to see him up there. And I think a lot of people, when they make lineups, they're almost gonna like subconsciously just forget about him. So I think that's why, you know, he's he's early on, it looks like his ownership isn't gonna be through the roof at all. It's gonna be one of the lowest of those top fives. And yeah, that that you know, you can use that to your advantage. But yeah, uh, just overall, I mean, ownership projections important on, on every week really. And, um, you know, just calculating your, your total overall ownership and and trying to get in, uh, a lineup that, uh, obviously if you're playing big fields, you know, you don't want to be duplicated, but even in smaller fields, you know, trying to get some leverage off the top players as well. So what's the magic number of ownership percentage you're willing to allot yourself? I mean, it depends on the week in the field. Um, if it's, you know, 80% is kind of like the number that a lot of people kind of just like to base it around. Um, I, again, like it, it's, it really just depends to me. It, it's more of like a weekly thing. I mean, um, because again, like these are projections, right? Like if I think that if a guy's projecting out as 80% owned, but I kind of feel like there's a couple of players who maybe are going to be like, you know, like have a good potential to come in like 10% higher than their projections, then 
I really want to try and keep it like under 80, but there, you know, there's flip sides to that too. If you've got three players that could come between like five and 10, then like, you know, 80% isn't, isn't that bad. So um, all depends what you're playing as well. Um, and, and just kind of the week and, and how, how much confidence you have in, in the chalk as well. Um, I think that with this event, you're going to see a lot of spread ownership. Um, you know, you've got guys like JT, Cam Smith looking too cheap. And you've got guys like Rory coming now in off a missed cut um, and Jordan Spieth coming in off a really good week. Like you'll see, I, I just think you're, you're not going to see anyone go too crazy. So I think you're going to get a lot of spread ownership um, and uh, may even have like, people are going to have trouble making it. it I, I just off the top. I, I feel like people are going to have trouble making like, truly kind of under owned, like, you know, really low ownership lineups because um, everyone's going to, going to just have a, like a little bit of ownership. Like no one in this day and age is going unnoticed. Like Siwoo Kim at 7,100. <clears throat> he played well last week. He's probably going to get a little bump. That's not going to be like a, a big surprise. Tony Finau now finally made a cut. I, I people are going to be talking about him again. Um, Woodland at 6,900. That's going to be a sleeper. Like, and you, you like, it, I think it's a good time and I think it's a good spot to potentially pay up for guys who um, are going to be, you know, just carrying low ownership. Like I mentioned Usti, but Berger uh, at 9K as well. So this is one of those weeks where, um, you know, you don't want to say like making a bad play to get lower ownership, but guys who are just like a little bit too expensive compared to the rest of the field um, probably are, are going to get you some, some nicer ownership uh, overall in your lineups. And, Again, Usti is a good example at 8,900. Um, compared to the field, he should probably be, you know, like seven, you know, closer to 8K. But at 8,900, is he really like that overpriced? He's still going to be pretty easy to fit in just because of the overall softness of the field. So, yeah, you, you can do, there's still things you can do without going too crazy and, and having to roster like, you know, Sepp Straka or something like that or, or, or someone who's just going to have like, you know, sub five ownership. Uh, when we, when the masses ultimately begins on Thursday, who do you think will be the chalkiest guy? <laughs> because I I've got a feeling I'd, I've got a feeling we've got the same answer to that. So uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I I'll tell you this. I mean, I know that the lowest owned player above 9,000 is going to be Bryson. There's uh, no yeah. doubt. And if you, Bryson is super interesting. I, I I don't even know. Like I, I probably am not going to go there, but like, we're talking like 3% ownership on him. Right. Um, it that's, uh, yeah, he's like, he's got the bad, the bad history because he didn't, he didn't perform well here when he was like the massive favorite. Um, you know, he's never really like been in contention on Sunday and then all this stuff going on this year with just the, the injuries and not playing much. Bryson is, is easily, he's just going to bring in like 2% ownership. Um, as far as the, the chalkiest play, it's gotta be like speed is going to be up there. I think a lot higher than people think, but, and I, I think that speed playing well this week is going to bring the ownership a little bit down on Cameron Smith. So I'm going to say Justin Thomas, um, a 10, three cheaper than DJ cheaper than Rom and cheaper $700 cheaper than Scheffler. I just don't think people are going to be able to get off that. And uh, you know, he's just played really well, you know, almost won his last time out. He's been talking up his game as well. You just throw all those ingredients in and, and Justin Thomas just looks like 
he just looks like an easy, easy start at 10, 10, three. And I think most people are just going to take that. And we all remember how well JT played and played insult at Sawgrass and hurricane force winds or whatever conditions you say. Yep. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas, Thomas is uh, chalky. I mean, of course, Jordan Spieth's going to be chalky at Augusta. So why are we surprised? I mean, in fact, uh, I think interesting the, to see between Smith, Cam Smith and, and Jordan Spieth this week. Really going to be interested in those and in, in that. That's. I wonder how many people like. I'm I'm kind of peeved that Spieth played well on Sunday because you know we were potentially setting up to have like you know a 10 percent gap between them, and I don't know if it's going to be anything near that. Uh, you know, the, the, it, it might, might just be, be might yeah. be might be might be 10 percent the other way now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it'll get that far, but recency bias is a big thing. And, you know, Spieth's course history, I mean, Cam Smith has good course history too, but Spieth's course history is, is pretty hard to top, so. So ultimately, uh, who is your one and done pick for Augusta? Uh, for, for Augusta, I mean, if a, a one and done, I mean, obviously you, you got to burn a big name here. I wouldn't fault anyone who used Justin Thomas uh, just because I do think like, you know, even though he's probably going to be the DFS chalk, it's, it's pretty hard to, to fade. And, and, and if his putter does show up, I mean, he, he could absolutely just light it up this week. So uh, that's probably my first answer. My second answer would probably be Rory. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty big on Rory's chances this week. He's Rory has, again, I, you, you got to step back, look at the bigger body of work. He's been very good in a lot of facets. And this is like Rory, and he said this himself, like he likes it when people are doubting him, when the pressure is off. Well, he just took off all the pressure by missing the cut last week because no one's going to be talking about Rory this week. They're going to be talking about how nobody ever wins coming off a missed cut. Um, and, you know, all, all the pressure is going to be on, on Scheffler, Thomas, and these other guys going to be getting talked up. So um, Rory McIlroy's won three of his last six events on PJ Tour have come after a missed cut. So take that for what you will. He's, he's proven that, you know, once you write him off, once, once people, you know, kind of get on him about you know something, he he'll bounce right back. So I, I would be fine with either one of those guys. If you still have them, if you need someone a little bit dark horses, um, you know, uh, Daniel Berger, I already mentioned. And um, uh, like a, a guy like Scott or Neiman, absolutely. Uh, I could get behind too. Well, I picked him last year, and I'm picking him again. I think this is the year. This is the week Xander Shoffley finally gets that major. He's finished. He's finishing the top ten in half his major starts. Half. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's the consistency, man. Um, it's it's ridiculous. I I just I always worry about guys who this this is kind of a a dumb thing, but it is, it is shown to be like a little bit true just in terms of trends guys who've been in contention at Augusta and they come the next year, they tend to just like not do as well. And, and, and kind of, you know, maybe it's that like, Oh, I was so close last year. And then they, they get behind a little and it's like, <clears> well, <throat> but I mean, Xander, you can't question the consistency, man. Like he, he every year at the U S open, it's just like automatic. He's in contention. So I don't mind it. Um, is player. I, I think, it, I think Xander benefits from the course being a little tougher too. Um, so 
he's at a he's at a pretty under the radar start to the year. Uh, I think he's a he's a major championship winner at some point in his career. Why not this week? He's he's been pretty good. I mean, and lately there've been a lot of either first time major winners or guys working long major droughts at Augusta. Xander feels like one of those guys who's due for a major because we've seen guys, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, Hideki Matsuyama get majors. We've seen who who is the next guy potentially going to major? Maybe you're throwing Victor Hoffman, but Xander's been around longer than him. I feel like Xander is due for major. Could have won in 2019. Could have won in 2021. If only he could play the 16th hole again. Yeah, I mean that was unfortunate, wasn't it? Last year, like I don't think I've ever. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. He had a real chance to make that. Just absolutely thrilling down the stretch. I was on him too, so I was a little peeved from that perspective. But um, that was that was like just letting the you know the air out of the balloon, big time, man. I mean that was so set to be like potentially a playoff or coming down to the last hole. And then he, he just dunked it. That was, um, that's bad, but I, I won't be shocked if he, if he comes back and, and, and ships it this year. Xander's good. Um, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, this is, it's, it's kind of a silly narrative, but I, I'm a little bit worried that you come in, you, you put a little bit too, too much pressure on yourself. He certainly looked good this year. I mean, he, he's, he's gaining strokes on approach. I definitely get that, that, uh, that pick. Um, and, and I, I look at that range, like you mentioned, um, guys like Hovland, like I'll take Xander over Hovland at, at this course, at this event, um, right now in their careers, I, I, I definitely, you're going to get better odds on him too, Xander. So, yeah. I, and plus I do think experience matters. Xander's got enough experience and I, I, I just feel like something's going to happen. I feel like this is, I can't believe I'm calling this because the way that the field set up is more not necessarily a major championship field. It's almost more an Olympic style field. Oh wait, who won the Olympic gold in Tokyo last year? Hmm. Xander. I mean, the you're like from the perspective of like a limited field event. I mean, that's been Xander's bread and butter. This is uh this is like the most limited field we get in the majors. So you're right. It's it it kind of does set up as as like uh, something that that uh, you know we 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 should be looking at Xander at you know long term. So, will the score reach? Will the winning score be at or below at or below double digit under Paul? Oh, at or below, man. Hard hard to take the under there just from what we've seen, but. I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, they're talking up these, these changes. I, I just, I, the modern player is just, they're, they're just so good at like overcoming everything with, with the technology and stuff. I don't know if I'd ever take the under unless I knew there was like a storm coming in. So um, yeah, again, I, you know, looking up the Augusta forecast, I mean, uh, it, that it would, that kind of bad, unless I saw something like really specific that uh, might drive us off actually looks like it might get, a little bit of thunderstorms, nothing too crazy, but um, you know, some high winds potentially on Friday. That actually could be really interesting. And then Locally. the weekend doesn't look too bad. It's not going to be super warm. Doesn't look like, um, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's enough to make me want to take the under. 
if, um, if, if it does stay a little bit cool and those winds get up on Friday though, um, I won't be shocked if it's uh, the under that either. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, if it's, if it's like eight, nine, 10 under, nobody'd be surprised. If it's 12 under, nobody'd be surprised. And heck, if it's 20 under, nobody would be surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, just looking at the, the, a quick glance at the forecast and, and just with the changes, I definitely don't think we're going to see like a score fest, like a, a 10 or a 12 under wouldn't shock me at all. And the temperature is going to be a little cool and, and crisp and, and a little bit of wind on Friday too. So just to I don't know, maybe we will get like, you know, a, a bit of a grind fest and it, and it turns into like a 10 or an eight winner, but I think 12 under um, right now, looking at that, maybe, maybe between 14 and 10, if you want a bigger range would be my guess. Um, but does look like we, you know, this this could play like a, a bit of a tough major, which is good. I like it when Augusta plays stuff. Yeah. So thanks for hopping on, Jeff. We wish you best and DFS uh, options well. And uh, we'll talk later. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot for having me on.